0: I'm Justin the Floor God, and welcome to the first episode of the So Who's Up Next podcast, the show where I talk to my fellow artists about their process, inspirations, and creativity. Today's guest is someone who recently released an album titled Ballad for Bob and Other New England Stories about death, love, and everything in between. I'll be honest, when I first heard the album, I didn't really like it, but the first time I listened to it was when I absolutely fell in love with this project depopulate montana what exactly is the ballad for bob album
1: so i uh, live in new england i live in rhode island and uh i sort of just wanted to make an album of like stories that i've heard from friends family stories that have happened to me which all happened to be in new england which is where this whole theme of like new england stories came from with stories from different new england states. And it's just sort of like a bunch of compiled stories with and family and things that have happened in my life that sort of put together to make like one big thematic album about New
0: England. And were there any specific instances you can recall about how exactly you found inspiration for the album? I think the first thing that
1: really got me inspired was uh, the song that I wrote. It's actually an... Pretty much entirely improvised song from lyrics to music, first take. Uh, how to how I grew to hate the ocean state was really the big jumping off point for the album, and I sort of took that and was like, okay, if I can do this, I bet I can write a bunch of songs about New England. And then I remembered um a buddy of mine's uncle from New Hampshire, who uh, that's the king of the trailer park. That's who it's about, and everything that happened in that is about him he definitely helped get a couple songs written quite a few in the album yeah so um ballad for bob is a lot of those lyrics were written before i even started making music because it was taken from a poem that i wrote for a class in college luckily the hardest part or what i find the hardest part was done because i didn't have to write lyrics and then um that one's kind of hard to say how hard it really was to make because it sort of came easily after a long time of trying. So like I tried a lot of different styles and a lot of different guitars and tones and everything for it. And then eventually I heard, um, I started getting really big into Jeffrey Lewis's music, and I heard his song uh, "Scowling Crackhead Ian," and I heard the sound that he uses on that album, and I was like, okay, if I can hit this sound of this sort of tone and emulate this a little bit, not like copy it. But from that point, I just sort of Kept going and writing it in that style and then it took maybe a couple of takes and then eventually I was like that one sounds good and then at start I was going to release it just completely raw just the guitar singing but then I was like this needs more so I added in a lot of that ambience with like people talking cars going by as sort of a way to replace having other
0: instruments on the song. So I will also really want to know about how you handle outros. I've noticed throughout the album, they're extremely playful and they all seem also like they're improvised. So was that intentional or what exactly is your thought process behind how you handle those outros?
1: Yeah, I do that a lot uh, when I'm playing live, the few times that I do, where like when I end a song, it's not really on a note. That would be an ender of a song, so I'm just like, okay. Let me use my uh, pentatonic scales a little bit and see if I can make something sound good. So it's usually just like randomly thrown in. There's usually, on a lot of songs, there's like 30 seconds more of it, and I just cut it where I think so it sounds good. So in instances
0: good. like that, is that more of an intentional thing, or is that something that you improvise with each song?
1: It's a little bit of both. It's, I think mostly it's just that when the songs usually end, it's on a chord that ends really jarringly, like out of nowhere. Where and then skips right into the next song which is really jarring and like on some tracks especially on like prophetstown one of my earlier albums makes me jump when in the original versions. so i just want to add something in there to make it a little less jarring for the transition into the next song
0: yeah i gotcha and something else that i was really curious about was exactly how you start and end this project both with two tracks titled teen suicide Um, So what can you tell me about those? So I guess what that um,
1: comes into is that is a song that the lyrics were actually written by a friend and then tweaked a little bit by me to write the songs. And I thought they worked well as a good, just sort of make like a sandwich of the album. The reason that I started off with piano on the first one is originally the piano was going to be the last one, but I thought the piano sounded like a little too bright and a little happy. Like it's a little, I guess it has a little bit of like a dark element, but overall it was a little too bright and happy for the feeling that I wanted at the end of that album. Cause really that album is about bad things that have happened in New England. I don't think it's a good story on that album. So I thought it would be a little weird to end it with a super a more upbeat song. So the piano version was written first and I didn't want to cut it. So then I was like, okay, why don't I make this like a big sandwich? Like take obviously what is the darkest topic on the album, the teenage suicide tracks and just put them in between all these other dark things, which then maybe won't make these other dark things feel so dark and then maybe won't people won't be sad and dark throughout the whole album.
0: So I know that the track listing must have also been important if you put both teen suicide tracks at either end of the project, does it do anything for the greater scheme of the album? Because I know that there's a very kind of spread out narratives of those smaller new England stories within the greater context of the whole piece.
1: Yeah. So I had tried that album. Like I've probably listened to that album before release, like a 160 different times all the way through just trying to get everything good. And then I felt like it fading out was too simple for like the ending of the album. So then I added the gunshot sort of, yeah, as like a bang to end the album, but also something that I noticed when I would listen to that track on CD and it would loop when the gunshot was added, the gunshot would happen and then the piano would start up on Teenage Suicide because on the CD version of that album, there's no intro to that. Like there's no count in. I've tried to get it to work a little bit, through the digital versions, doesn't work quite as well. The gunshot sort of happens, and then you hear me start counting. It's not as good as it worked
0: on the... Yeah, it was just sort of at a bang to the end of the album. So earlier you mentioned CDs, to which my first thought is that it's a bit counterintuitive, especially given the digital landscape, how people consume music. You know, It's a lot of streaming, so does the release on CDs, or at least playing it on CDs, how does that impact your process in how you go about making the album and also, I guess, releasing.
1: I um think CDs are nice for me, at least because they um restart immediately. Like at least with the C D player I use. I don't think they do in all C D players. Usually it'll take a little bit for it to load it up again. But in mine, it will restart immediately, which allows me to listen to my album on loop, which then allows me to find every minute thing in terms of it helping the process. Selling CDs is just sort of a thing because I think a lot of people, such as myself, like to have some sort of physical media of the stuff, even if they don't use it that often. I like to have some sort of physical media of whatever's of whatever I'm listening to, especially if it's like an album that really spoke to me, like something like The Natural Bridge by The Silver Jews or something like that. I like hunted down a vinyl for that album that I never listened to, but I hunted it down for like a year and a half and ended up paying like $130 for it just to have it because it just feels good to have, I guess.
0: Yeah, I gotcha. I just recently started raiding my grandparents' house for old vinyls to play and I have a tape recorder for like micro cassettes but i haven't gotten around to listening on tape but i definitely do think that having a physical copy definitely helps and enhances the experience of listening to the music but on that same note have you ever thought about releasing in other physical formats at all
1: well i thought about um selling tapes for this album but it ended up being that this album I decided should really be listened to without really any stops all the way through and having to flip a tape or flip a vinyl record would have been a pain on this album I am actually producing vinyls for it but they're singles, two songs I think it ends up being Ballad for Bob and Heroin Tree each on one side that I'm making for this one just as something else physical to get out there for people to buy that like it I think moving forward with like my next album and stuff I might end up doing CDs again, I might make a couple tapes i don't think i'm gonna do vinyl again it's a little expensive to make but the cds and tapes are cheap to make so i might end up doing a few of them
0: yeah i gotcha and you mentioned a new album so how much exactly can we say about that and how is it going to be different stylistically compared to ballad for bob it is officially all done as of yesterday i finished all the mastering
1: on it and everything so that one will be Coming out by the end of this year. So I I have this thing where like I like to play acoustic and I like to play electric and I like to play I guess faster, more up tempo, higher BPM styles, a little happier. Although none of my music's really that happy. And then I like to play like slower and things like that. But I don't like to mix them on the album because I think I, I have a hard time mixing them and figuring out what should go where. So I'm oftentimes working on two albums at the same time. One that is usually entirely acoustic and more upbeat, and then one that's almost entirely electric and slower and sadder which then helps the production go out so like while i was working on new england stories i was working on this next one which i can say the name it's called concrete skydive and
0: it helps to get both of them done a lot quicker so i noticed that ballad for bob was mostly acoustic but for me when i listened through i really appreciated those points of experimentation either in sound design or in like instrumentation choices like for example one of the instances that really stuck out to me was the song temple just because the electric guitar was a complete contrast compared to most or if not all the rest of the album so my question is why would you include something so different into the track listing like that so
1: temple if i'm not mistaken I, I wrote it a while ago so if i'm not mistaken. It was a cut song from, like, Prophetstown, I think, and then I was like, okay, it's electric guitar, and it's very experimental and a lot different than the rest of Ballad for Bob, but I think I can make it fit. So I was like, okay, I'll put it on here, because with Concrete Skydive, I'm going entirely acoustic. I decided if I wanted to get it out, I should put it on Ballad for Bob, because I thought it was a good song,
0: so i turned it there going off of that same note of experimentation the song astronaut really comes to mind because there's like this super long intro and just a completely different structure compared to the rest of your song so i was just wondering what exactly your thought process was behind that
1: yeah astronaut was um i didn't really know where to place it was the big issue. It just sort of made it in with songs that it kind of sounded like. K-O-T-T-P and other songs, just because I couldn't really figure out where to place it. It was a very um last minute song on the album. It's an idea that I had literally like maybe five hours before I was going to upload the album onto DistroKid for distribution. And I was like, okay, let me just make it, see if it works, and if it works I'll throw it on the album. And it worked. The actual story behind it is, I think, probably one of the most interesting stories. It's like one of my only songs that's not literal the idea of like the astronaut i just use that as a way of like painting what actually is which was uh a story from one of my friends friends who he's no longer friends with that would always just get like really really high just forget like everyone in his life and not really talk to them for like days on all sorts of drugs and then when he would come down he would be like oh why is everyone angry at me why is no one talking to me and I sort of took that and put it into this idea of like an astronaut who while he was up in space yeah, is yeah, one yeah, of gotcha. and I noticed throughout
0: the entire album you have this wonderful poetic sense about you so I was wondering if what you studied in college had any effect on your songwriting process at all if any so that was when I was going a couple of years ago I've actually changed
1: majors a couple times. Back then, I was just going for my gen eds. I needed to take an English class. Every other English class sounded boring. So I was like, okay, poetry. I think the time that I had in that poetry class definitely helped me with writing lyrics. And I still use a lot of it to this day when writing lyrics. Although even my teacher back then said it, and I've definitely noticed it, my big strong suit is like improvising and then cutting it down and cutting it down. I'm not very good if I have to like sit down and write something. I will often not do any writing of any kind unless I have a guitar or some other instrument like in my hands because it's a
0: lot easier to have the music and write the lyrics at the same time for me i like yeah so is that usually how you go about writing a song like you mentioned improvising earlier i was wondering if you have this creativity on demand or if you can make music whenever wherever or is there like a specific ritual you have to follow to get into that headspace or how do you approach your creativity it's kind of
1: all different places
0: it's usually like I have I have really bad
1: insomnia it's really hard to get to bed and oftentimes when I'm getting to bed all I'm thinking about is like I'm gonna go play video games or I'm gonna go try to write some music and I end up doing one of the two and then I'll sit there and I'll just do like stupid recordings at the foot of my bed on my iPhone with the music eventually some of it sounds good and I'm like okay let me uh re-record this when I'm not about to fall asleep and then I just it's like the first thing I do in the morning I I will say I think my music is definitely a lot easier to Right than something like what you do because obviously your music's hell of a lot more produced. But I think that fits both of our styles a lot better. Like my music's a lot less really about the music, although there is some interesting stuff in it. A lot more about the lyrics, and I've always been writing down lyrics and poetry since I was like twelve. So I have like literally probably still, if I just took like verses, I probably have like nine hundred and sixty different verses in a notebook that I just sort of pull lyrics from
0: and then make them work. like workshop them mm. together so do you already know what you're gonna write about before you name the songs or do you start top down with the names and write the songs to that theme or how do you go about it so it kind of depends with ballad for bob and other new england
1: stories almost all of those i had a name and i was like okay these are the names of all the songs let's make songs that fit the names whereas on something like Prophetstown. town I made a lot of that music first, and then was like, now I'll add names to them. The names are kind of a second thought. But with like a thematic album like Ballad for Bob and also Concrete Skydive that's coming out next, I had names first for a lot of the songs and really used the names that I came up with as a jumping off point to write the music. So I think the first thing I did while writing it was I wrote down every story, like not wrote the whole stories, but wrote down like something that would remind me of every story that I could think of that has ever been told me by friends or family or that I heard in like the news or that I like experienced myself and I wrote it all down and I was left with like 35 different stories that would be interesting and then I sort of picked best from all those and then from there I wrote the song another big reason for the um, way the album is structured is I sort of separated it by the states the stories happen because I guess the states that would be in there Rhode Island which are the first couple tracks except for Teenage Suicide because both of those are just sort of like they're not actually stories they're just like I guess separate from the rest of the album and then Massachusetts it's next and then new hampshire
0: and i forget what the final song on the album is one of them takes place in vermont it might be the last song Mm -hmm. and earlier you mentioned that a friend helped write one of the songs on the album i was wondering how collaborative ballad for bob was for instance you have a track with jupiter's ghost that's like the only proper feature on there so i was just wondering who else had a hand in making this project
1: yeah so i um so the teenage suicides were written by a friend of mine she didn't really want to be featured because she doesn't really like to be out in the public at all. So I just didn't. But with the Jupiter's Ghost track, a love song, it's very unique for me because I have this issue where um I don't work well with others, I guess is what I'd say. I have to be like in control of what's going on when I play music because I will lose beat a lot. It takes a lot of focus for me to stay on beat because I don't really have it naturally. So I prefer to just be the one playing guitar and be the one singing and doing all the mixing myself. But when it came to that Jupiter's Ghost track, he's one of my buddies that lives in the same town as me. Oh, we are hanging out one day and he was like, hey, let me show you this guitar riff. And I was like, I think I could sing something over that because it's simple enough to where I can just shut my brain off listen to the riff and sing and then we did all once through with improvised lyrics we were like okay that was good but your birds were screaming the whole time in the background and also someone came downstairs in the middle of it and it was a whole thing so you're like okay we'll go through again I don't remember any of the lyrics that I sang but I'll just do another improvisation and then we had my friend Ed playing bass on that album It's, it's it's not really heard a lot and it kind of stops halfway through but you can hear it at the very end and he's the third person that i'm talking to at the intro of that album because that intro was there like that's just what happened it wasn't cut in i just like added extra reverb to it to make it sound more like an intro and we started the recording and it was sort of a like second i guess second take thing we just the lyrics came out nice the sound came out nice and we were like we'll uh throw it on the album yeah
0: i gotcha and another thing is that sound design was obviously a huge part of making these tracks Do you add those effects in with the intention of supporting the lyrics and motifs of the song, or do you just add them in after to just add that little 5% just to close it out?
1: I think what you said first was right. It's really about what the theme of the song is, then from that point I'll take it and I'll add whatever I think fits that theme and what's going on in the track. Um, It's really hard to mix my tracks because I do do live recordings into a mic. I don't record my vocals and guitar separately which makes it a big issue where like sometimes I have to take quite a few takes because I sang too loud or the guitar wasn't loud enough or something like that and um, then when you add reverb that can really mess with things so I like have to really really tweak it i i honestly think i make the process harder for myself by doing that i think it would be a lot easier if i recorded the guitar and sang separately but i just don't have the ability to do that And my brain like if i hear a guitar it's really hard for me to sing over it which also goes back to not really being able to work and i have to do it at the same time
0: really right right and looking over your discography i noticed that you haven't been making or at least releasing music for too long so i was wondering so what got you into making music and putting it out So, what happened in the beginning, and I was like, well, I can't sing,
1: so that dream's done. (laughs) And then, uh, this is going to be, this is going to sound mean, but I mean in the nicest way possible, I started listening to bands like AJJ, like uh, Andrew Jackson Jihad, a lot more, and hearing Sean Bonnet, who really can't sing traditionally, but he does it. And he does it with power, so it doesn't sound terrible. Also, like, the Front Bottoms and other bands like that, they, like, sing even though they don't really have the best singing voices. And from that moment, I was like, let me try. The night that I was like, okay, let me try is when I recorded Nicaraguan Two Stories and they came out what I thought was good enough. And I sort of workshopped them through my friend group and they were all like, yeah, this doesn't sound awful. I was like, okay,
0: I guess I'll do this. And that was March, February. I don't know. It was very mm, recent. I gotcha. You. And you mentioned that you have, uh, and you mentioned that you get feedback from your friends. I was just wondering how tight that inner circle is. Uh, They're just my
1: friends from high school. I was lucky enough to, I'm lucky enough to be out of high school and still have my friends from high school. A lot of people aren't. And we talk
0: on a daily basis. So it's really easy to workshop things to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is kind of outside of all of this, but I noticed that your record label is called Smooth Brain Records. So I was just wondering if you could tell me a little bit about how that name came about.
1: Yeah, so I have a couple. I have that. That just sort of comes. It's it's a it's just a term that we use a lot, mainly to make fun of ourselves or each other. I have a couple of friends one of them being jupiter's ghost and the other one being missing now which the other two people that fall into that that want to make music but they don't want to deal with all the like they just want to make the music they want to make the music and they don't want to deal with having to get it out to platforms and do all the marketing for it so what i was like i'll set up this label it's not actually like registered i will basically manage you guys i'll do all of the i'll do all of the hard things and then i'll take a percentage of the money and then you guys will have music out there and they're like that sounds great what are gonna name it we jumped around from a bunch of stuff what if we just name it something stupid like smooth brain records and then within like a couple hours missing no who does a lot of the art for me was like
0: i have a logo and i was like and that's sort of how it Mm -hmm. came to be yeah and from that record label and managing these other artists as well as yourself have you learned a lot about marketing like what can you tell me in in that department the biggest advice i can give is use your hashtags they help a lot of them
1: just in the comment section of whatever instagram post you do or on a twitter post they really do help even if it's just people that follow because they see it and they're trying to get a follow back your follower number still goes up which makes you look a lot bigger than even if you are like you could have a thousand followers but only get like 200 listens on your song doesn't really matter it makes you look a lot bigger which then a lot of people will see that and they'll be like whoa this band's big let me follow them and listen to them." and i think it does help you get actual fans in on there in between all the like bot accounts and like other accounts that really aren't listening to the music and um then another thing is following other smaller musicians helps because they'll oftentimes follow you back and then you guys can get talking about music and maybe they'll post you on like their story or something and that helps a lot like I, i talk a lot to the guys from the band rather nice which is another band in my state um, about stuff. played an open mic a couple of days ago. Me, I played and they played, it was nice. I mean, it went terribly for me because cops were like, you have to turn the volume down. And then everyone was like, okay, I guess I'll turn the volume down. And then you couldn't really hear anybody. And then I was up to play. And the entire time I was on stage, he was like messing with the mic levels and stuff to sort of keep my volume down, which really threw me off.
0: But they had a great set. They had a fantastic set. At least you got the experience of being there. It's better than nothing i guess so going back real quick to the whole marketing music i was just curious about your general release strategy because i noticed that you released ballad for bob first as a single and got a decent number of plays but the rest of the album at least for now is lagging a little bit behind what's the usual strategy that you employ
1: So I think it's definitely good to release a couple singles from your album before the album comes out, like on a schedule. Most people will take their time and they'll be like, and they'll give a single the time of day and they'll sit down and listen to one song. The majority of people that are interested at all will do that not a lot of people will sit down and listen to a whole album or even releasing an album might make them be like "Uh, this is a lot I'm just not going to listen to any of it as opposed to listening to all of it so I think it's definitely nice to have at least two singles out there for the album like one one week and then maybe two weeks later you do another one and then like three weeks later you release the album which I think was the release schedule for this album and that just keeps people engaged if they like the first single they'll come back for the second single and if they like the second single a lot of them will come back for the album it's definitely helpful The reason that Ballad for Bob really has so many views is because
0: some random person put it in their playlist and that was just pure luck. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that because a while ago I had a SoundCloud release kind of not blow up, but it had like a thousand plays, like seemingly overnight, just because it randomly was added to a playlist like that. So, another thing I really wanted to talk about was the cover art for Ballad for Bob. It's bold, monochrome. How did you come up with this idea, and did you have anyone help you with it at all?
1: Actually, a lot of the times, if I'm being honest, the album artwork will come first, which is weird. Like with Soda Pop, I had that picture of the like soda with the window, and I thought it looked very aesthetic, and then I was like, okay, the album's name will be Soda Pop, and I threw the I threw the things on there. It's like a three-song EP before Prophetstown came out. The idea of Prophetstown, the album name, came from like, I was taking a road trip to Iowa, and we passed a place in Illinois called Prophetstown and i was like dude that'd be a sick album name and then on that same road trip we were in ohio at uh lake erie i saw that factory and i was like that'd be a cool picture and then eventually they just like went together ballad for bob i had the album name first and then i was like i'm gonna try to draw my own album artwork for this and i'm a terrible artist so uh the towers in balad rob are the narragansett towers which are like a staple where i live i live in narragansett it's like towers down by the beach here and it's used on a lot of like rhode island merchandise things like that it's a very iconic building because it used to be like an old casino i think i drew it too well because then i just started adding things and it's all different styles of artwork because i did it all like different days i didn't like make it all in one day i just kept leaving it and coming back so it all looks very different but uh i think it came out nice and then sometimes i just want to do a really simple album cover like the ballad for bob one so it just sort of jumps around i don't really like to lock myself into one style for the album covers like some artists do and then you kind of are locked there and you can't do anything different so i like to jump around
0: So I'm just curious as to what your relationship is with your geography. Obviously, Rhode Island is your home. It has been for a while, but at the same time, there are parts of the album where it seems like it's a place you just want to get away from. So is it is it as complicated as it seems or is it a bit more straightforward or was it just like a creative approach that you wanted to kind of vent on the album, I guess?
1: So, I think Rhode Island's a really good state to live if you have money. If you don't, it's not, because everything here is very expensive. So, uh, yes, I would love to leave the state, but I go to school here, so I can't. I've lived here all my life. Like, I've lived in the same town from the day I was born. Moved a lot of houses. Like, I, I, I moved a lot more than I think most people did. I moved, like... 20 times in like eight years. But uh same city every time, same town. But yeah, I I would like to get out of here at least for now. Maybe I come back if I have money, but it's just expensive. Jobs pay nothing. You can rent an apartment in like Massachusetts, one of the next states over, for like five hundred dollars. You could probably rent like maybe if you if you wanted to go like seven hundred, you could probably rent like a two-bedroom apartment. Fine. In Rhode Island, you fight to find like a studio apartment for like a grand. It's like terrible
0: yeah and i think this is a great place to end so just to close out do you have any advice for anyone who wants to get in the space or who's already in the space and wants to do kind of what you and i are doing what advice do you have for any new musicians out there who want to just start making things just do it if if even if you don't
1: think you can if you want to do it Eventually, it will get better. I mean, if you listen to, like, my early albums, they're awful. But this one, I think, is pretty good. And you're always going to hate your own work in pretty much every situation ever, which is why you need to have other people look at it and you need to take what they say seriously. Be my biggest advice.
0: This concludes our very first episode of the So Who's Up Next podcast. If you haven't listened to Ballad for Bob yet, it's out on Spotify, Bandcamp, and other major streaming platforms. If you want to connect with Depopulate Montana, all his links will be in the description down below. Make sure to follow our show wherever you're listening from, because next time I'll be talking with Arise Sir about his new EP, Obviously Icarus. All this and much, much more coming soon. Thanks for listening, and I hope to catch you in the next one.